You're listening to Cannabis Health Radio. Here are your hosts, Ian Jessup and Corey Yelland. Welcome to another episode of Cannabis Health Radio. I'm Ian Jessup. And I'm Corey Elland. Our guest today has a rare form of breast cancer called Paget's disease. It's a type of cancer that outwardly may have the appearance of eczema with skin changes involving the nipple of the breast. Most women do not visit the doctor because they assume Paget's disease to be minor, either dermatitis or eczema. If that wasn't enough to deal with, she also has uterine cancer, had a hysterectomy, and has basal cell carcinoma, which is the most common form of skin cancer. Joining us from Florida to tell her story is Jennifer Atkinson. Jennifer, thanks very much for doing this. No problem. Thank you for having me. Now, you've had to deal with a lot in terms of your health. Did I leave anything out? Um, I have the, what they would call in short-term chronic PTSD that I deal with every day. But other than that, no, pretty much all is there. (laughs) Which of these many health problems did you experience first? PTSD, I had been dealing with actually knowing what was wrong for 10 years prior to the Pageant's disease. I was unaware, you know, of cannabis's uh, research resources to what it can help with and all that in that 10-year span. Back when I was younger, you know, recreational use, I never really realized it was like an antidepressant or anything like that, you know. um, I just realized I was a much nicer person and happy. But for 10 years, I was the doctor's little project of trying to find something that works. And when I had gotten sick with the Pageant's disease, it was actually the same time that the doctor said, you know, there's just no magic pill for PTSD. It's just something that you're going to have to live with, basically, and have a lot of different strategies to cope in life. You know, at that time, I was like, okay, whatever, I'll deal with it. And, you know, I was on their their medications. And when I had my son is when they discovered the Pageant's disease. They had thought it was an infection, and it actually wasn't. It was Pageant's disease. And they wanted to do immediate, you know, cut and taking breast off and everything. I was like, whoa, I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> um, at that time, I had talked to my mother, and she had let me know that Michigan was legal. And, you know, maybe I should come home and see what I could do there, at least get another opinion. So um, me and the kids went from North Carolina up to Michigan, and um, I started researching. A friend of mine had introduced me to RSO, like Simpson Oil. From there, the story was just written. You know, I I started getting better. Um, I was applying things on the outside of me and on the inside. They didn't have to cut because I was was basically healing. It was quite amazing, and even the doctors were kind of, well, and saying, you know, oh, well, maybe, you know, this was what was wrong and that was what was wrong. But, I mean, you know, if I don't take my oil, yeah, I end up back in the the position I was. So, and I learned that the hard way. But, um, 
I've been using between the oil and topicals and, you know, creative ways of edibles and everything else, you know, and I, I've been able to basically cure myself of most things and stay pretty darn healthy. At that same time, though, of doing the research, I noticed over on the computer screen, cannabis treats PTSD. In that same time with the Patton's disease of curing myself there, I took all my medications and I switched them out for cannabis oil. How many medications and were you on? How many medications were you on? Um, I was on at that time a mood stabilizer. I can't remember the name of it. It was something I didn't like it though, but so I wouldn't take it. But the Effexor, which I I suffered from what they call the Effexor hangover. So if I didn't take it at the right time, my compulsiveness, my anxiousness, everything would go just skyrocket and quite moody. And I was on four. Uh, milligrams of clodipin a day. It just seemed like I was very unbalanced. Even though the effects are made me kind of lift in some spots, I would drop into a low really quick. But it, I just didn't feel anything. I didn't care, you know, and that's not how you walk through life, but that was better than all the other things that they tried to give me. So I just thought I was kind of at the end of the road of what I could do. And then once I started researching that, I was like, oh, oh. Well, then I don't have to take that. I just have to up my dose of medicine. I can do that, you know, and I just started going from there. And plus, you know, I had learned little tricks like the juicing, and that keeps me pretty balanced in the mornings and stuff. But, I mean, you know, uh, right now, with Florida being so new, it's it's been a little bit of a wait. But, I mean, I've been managing um, I just quietly. Wanna, I, yeah, I just want to uh, well, ask you. Is your breast cancer clear today? Are you free of breast cancer? Yes. And yes. You, you did that with... Technically, by doctor's point of view, the five-year wait, but, I mean, yes. Nothing has cleared up in that area at all. Oh, that's good. So I'm happy about that. I have limited... You know, I've got scarring, but it's it's limited compared to what people go through. It was caught early enough by my son being born that I'm blessed for that. Now, you did the oil, you ingested the oil, or did you apply it topically, or what did did you do? I did both. Okay. I did both. I would cover the complete nipple with oil, and then I would smother it with, like, the bandage. Right. Um, And then I would also ingest. How long was it And like I said, I did many different things. Juicing the whole shebang all day long, you know, between CBD intake and the THC intake. I would try and do as much as I could just to override it because I am a lightweight. So I would try and balance as much as I could with the CBD so that way I could stay functional. And then at nighttime, I really dose myself so that way I could just... It could go through my body while I slept. Are you When you're talking juicing, are you talking about uh, juicing cannabis? Yes. Okay. I do those in the morning. Um, how long before you noticed a difference? It was really about 90 days, actually. That's where, you know, I, where I felt balanced, A, and B, I saw things starting to clear up extremely, you know, like where there was openness, there was no open. The nipple was starting to look more normal, even, you know, than what it was. And, and you know, it wasn't easy by any means, but it, it was much easier than what the doctors wanted to put me through. Were the doctors surprised at your progress? Um, the one was, the oncologist himself, um, but really, you know, where I lived, 
if you're for the plant, you weren't allowed to really be at the hospital. You couldn't work at that hospital. And it's a tourist town, so that hospital is everybody's breadwinner, you know. And I didn't really know that when I was going into it. But, yeah, the oncologist was the only one that was impressed. Other than that, the doctors kept on going, well, there's not much scientific proof. They didn't teach us this in, in, in the doctor's uh, school, blah, 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 blah. You know, it just yeah. excuse after excuse. And then, you know, going to the hospital, uh, they really put you in a different category. Let's move from your breast cancer, which is cleared up, which is excellent news. When did you discover mm-hmm. that you had uterine cancer? That was about a year after Connor was born again. I was having a lot of issues um, with my menstrual. And I had gotten, you know, my teeth tied and an ablution and stuff like that. Well, when they did that, they just took a sample. And the doctor called me back about three months I think it was three months, and he said, you know, there's a lot of abnormal cells in your uterine, uterus, and uh, he's like, and I'm going to have you come in for a recheck. And I was like, okay. So I went in there, and he scoped around and stuff, and they had found spots on one ovary and then a few spots inside the uterus itself, but he said, you know, he was surprised it wasn't further than this because... It just seemed like my uterus was enlarged and everything else, and it was all the telltale signs, but it wasn't, you know, registering or whatever. He's like, so I'm going to just go ahead and take it on out. I said, well, I ain't using it anymore. That's fine. So afterwards, he had done some more research on it, and he brought me back in about two weeks later after the hysterectomy. And what I had done was I only took those pain pills for 24 hours because I was scared. I didn't know what to expect. And then I took the pain pills and I replaced it with the RSO. You know, I just basically didn't take the pain pills or anything. And I came back in that two two weeks and he's like, he checks me out and he's like, how are you completely healed? And I said, what are you talking about? And he's like, how long have you been up and around? And I was like, well, since three days after the surgery, I started, you know, I have to take care of my kids. He's like, well, you shouldn't be healed. He's like, you like completely healed in there. He's like, and then top it off, I did the uh, investigation on the uterus. He's like, you should be just in a totally different person. And I was like, what are you saying? He's like, well, there's cells, but I mean, the way it was affected, it was, he's like, I'm amazed. He's like, I'm just amazed. That's all. And I said, and this is a regular, you know, gynecologist. It's not a MD or whatever, you know, in the family care. And uh, he's like, what do you, what do you use? And I was like, what do you, what do you mean? He's like, you, you have a bottle of pain pills that you didn't even touch. He's like, they're sitting right here. That's how I know that. He's like, what are you using? And I said, I use Rick Simpson oil. He's like, what is that? I said, it's basically extract from the marijuana plant. He goes, I've never heard of that. I said, you haven't? You live in Michigan, but you've never heard of that? He's like, no, I've never heard of that. What is that? I was like, it's, you know, I'm like, you've never heard of marijuana? He's like, no, I've heard of that. I was like, what haven't you heard? He's like, this, this, this stuff you're talking about, I was like, it's taking the whole plant, breaking it down basically and putting it in oil form. And I take it every day, you know, he's like, I'm just looking at him like, wait a minute, I'm schooling you. But, um, He's like, whatever you're doing, keep on doing it because that's the most healthiest thing I've ever seen. He's like, I'll discard your your medicine right here. He's like, you're good to go. I get checked every year. Everything seems to be good. So haven't had any return problems of that. 
How long, um, how long has that been now, Jennifer? Um, let's see, four years. Good for you. Well, good for the doctor. Yeah, I mean, good, good for the doctor yeah. for suggesting that what you're doing is the right thing. Right, because he was the first one that ever said that. Everybody else, you know, had an opinion of some sort. But, you know, he was the first one, just keep on doing whatever you're doing. You know? So I was impressed with that. I don't know exactly what he found on there or whatever, you know, like how much or how little or whatever. You know, I don't know how doctors figure out all the stuff they do, but he was impressed with it. So as long as he was happy with it, I was happy with it. <laughs> so you use the cannabis oil, you get rid of your breast cancer, you get rid of your uterine cancer. You must have thought you were uh, jinxed for cancer. Um. Yeah, but, you know, I don't know, you know. When all of it started, I think it was maybe a combination of everything. It's just I didn't realize because, you know, the, the basal skin cell didn't come out until I learned I couldn't go off my oil, that I needed a maintenance dose. And the only way I learned that was when I went to Tennessee for the year. Um, I had met my friend Dana down there, who's also the founder of the National Cannabis Patient Law. We were founder and co-founder at that time. Um, we started it. When I met her and everything, I was really healthy and everything. But as that year was going, I, you know, I didn't think I needed my medicine because I felt good. <laughs> but then I started developing those spots. And then next thing you know, I find out, oh, <laughs> basal skin cell, okay. So I went back home and got back on my medicine is what I did. I mean, it took a year um, and started seeing complications, you know. And so, therefore, at that time, you know, I learned you got to have a maintenance dose. It doesn't matter. You know, it's going to come back some way, shape, or form. You don't, you don't know how or what, but, you know, with a vengeance is what most people say. Yeah, that's but I was so, lucky again. It's so key to, to stay on a maintenance dose. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, and I didn't know that, you know. I mean, it's one of those things that you didn't finish the research on. That's why I always encourage people, research, research, research. The wall provides even the studies and stuff just for people to get more in touch with themselves, you know, to know, okay, so people are doing it this way, but why is it working or how is it working? You know, that extra knowledge, I always encourage people to stay on your maintenance dose because if you don't, that can be a huge issue in the end. And like I said, I, I was kind of stupid at that at that time, but I'm glad that, you know, I was caught again and I figured out ways to maintain it and, you know, so far. Skin looks good, <laughs> so knock on some wood. If you don't use your maintenance dose, Corey will knock you on the head. Cause <laughs> <laughs> she <does> exactly. <laughs> yeah, she does that with everyone. You need a maintenance dose. When you did it for your skin cancer, did you use it topically as well as internally? Yep, that's the holy oil um, that I had discovered through my friend in Michigan. Um you know, I would circle little spots just to make sure that, you know, I was observing whether they were getting bigger or smaller or whatever. And they were literally disappearing. The way I, you know, I had tested was I let the doctor test one spot and that ended up to be a huge scar. I wasn't happy about that. But at least I got results of, yes, this is what it is. Okay, now what? And I, you know, started doing the research again and got in touch with a friend, Michael Tui. He's the one that has the holy oil and, you know, he explained what to do, you know, just 
from his advice. And then I went from there. And let me just say, I love that stuff. What's in that? <laughs> it helps with pain. Um, it is uh, cinnamon. Um, everything you see in the Bible, just, you know. <laughs> Including cannabis. Can. Including cannabis. Yes. yes. Yeah. It's 0.03 sativa with CBD. Yeah, Ian's looking puzzled. I'm going to send him that meme that's out there that has a list of ingredients for. So this is the holy anointing okay. oil out of the Bible. Uh, Bible, yeah. Where actually the main ingredient in that is cannabis. Oh, okay. For, yes. the, for people who are you know worried and have some religious um, leanings, cannabis was used way back when. Is that where Rick Simpson got his original recipe from? I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. Jennifer, you mentioned uh, the National Cannabis Patient Wall. Wall. Tell people what that's all about, please. Um, when I was in Tennessee, I met a, my friend, actually. <laughs> I want to say a lady, my friend, Dana, when we were doing legislation at the Capitol there in Nashville. And um, we became quite close. And when legalization was not appearing anywhere, basically it was just dropping the ball, she had already had a, a Tennessee patient wall trying to, you know, get momen- momentum for people to see and notice and stuff that there's people all over the place, you know, having a hard time with medications and everything else, you know. So we are trying really hard. The bill basically failed, and they put in that CBD research bill at that time. Um, so we wanted to make a bigger impact, and the way we thought of it was, you know, why not all 50 states? You know, why not get all the names that we can and take it up to D.C. and put it on panels, make them see, you know, who is past, who is present, who needs, who's already got a story, you know, just make it in their face. Um, you know, needless to say, we didn't think it was going to get as big as it did. <laughs> Me and Dana were like, probably at the overwhelm stage in the first six months of it um, because we were the only ones, you know, admins and everything else. But we wanted to make sure there was a support group for people in need or already, you know, so they could talk to each other. They could bounce ideas off of each other, tell their story, basically. And then as we got more admins and help, we started with the research part of it for studies and everything. And then bill registries, because we've decided it was really important that everybody know because we didn't quite understand that most people don't know what's going on in their own state. So we started bill registries for there. And I mean, we were getting so much media and stuff for the, you know, different all across the world. So we started the general page, which that, you know, we take everything that's um, presented to us that's actual reliable sources and put all the media over there on the general page and patients' testimonies. Um, people's uh, where I've been and now where I'm at, you know, everything goes over there. So your story gets passed around and basically around the world. And that's what happened is we went around the world. We thought we were being just in the 50 states, but we went around the world and we're still gaining countries and people, you know. <laughs> So that was the pretty exciting part of it. Uh, we all, everybody that works the wall are all patients. We all have different stories to why the wall is so important. For me, it was getting the word out for people to notice, to see, hey, you know, this is what can help you when medications fail you, when doctors fail you, and their advice. Because God knows I've had that. Um, 
and Dana, you know, hers was personal too. Vicky's became personal. Everything became personal. And then next thing you know, you just got an overwhelming sense of the law. <laughs> I call it the massive law because, I mean, the people that we deal with on a daily basis are so strong, whether they're a patient in need or an actual patient. I mean, I got to give these people credit. You know, you got wives that lost husbands that are still fighting. You know, it doesn't matter. You, know, you got uh, mothers losing their children, but they're still raising their voice. You know, it's 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 amazing the 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 feeling of just knowing that they're not being quiet no more. They're standing up for themselves. You know, yes. and that's really the encouragement of the wall: is stand up for yourself. If you want, we will. <laughs> you know, like, it's just it's an amazing group of people. You know, when you get something that large, it, it's hard to not uh, be a voice. You know, it, it's just amazing. Jennifer, in your health struggle, I guess, over the years with your various forms of cancer, what has been the hardest for you to deal with? Uh, the negativity that surrounds it. The It upsets me with the political it always upsets me with that um because at a federal level it needs to be legal and at this point we can say in prohibition but the whole bottom line is i don't care how they end it but somebody's got to do something because last i checked we're not china but we're acting like it you know we have like this crowd control thing going on with all these diseases and the doctors wanting to put pills down everybody's throat i mean we got kids you know, so young on Oxycontin, for God's sakes. Um, it's just amazing. You know, there's so many levels that you can use it for. You have success in ADHD world where we don't have to put our children on synthetic drugs, you know. I mean, but doctors are just pushing it, and it's like, how can you say we have drug dealers when we have doctors that are the drug dealers, you know? And they really, truly, wholeheartedly believe that they're doing good when I don't understand how they are. You know, I was reading something uh, yesterday that said the United States has 5% of the world's population, but it consumes 75% of the world's prescription drugs. Yeah. And that, to me, was absolutely astounding. Yeah, just going to pick my jaw up here. Wow. <laughs> yeah, it was that's, unbelievable. I mean, that's huge, a huge statement. How, I just feel that... Well, sorry. No, go ahead. I just feel like... It's, oh, here, take a pill day. You know, um, when I was PTSD, I didn't even know what that was when I was diagnosed with it. And the doctors kept on trying to give me all these different meds. And all these different meds did was confuse me, agitate me, make me go in a whole other state of mind, meaning, you know, real manic and then drop really low. And I, I thought it was me, you know. And I almost, like, secluded myself in that 10 years. And that's scary, you know, because that's what those pills did. And now, you know, I've been holding out on this Florida law thing. But <laughs> now it's like uh, when I first got here, I went to a psychiatrist. And I explained to him, you know, look, I'm having issues. I'm kind of weemaw wobbling, and I don't want to be like that. And 
he just looked at me and he was so unknowledgeable. He said there was no such thing as, you know, repeat trauma that causes PTSD. I'm like, why? He said that you had to be an army vet. I'm like, no, no, you just have to have a really bad life. And that I did have. <laughs> now, I'm sitting there like, and we're paying these people? It's really scary. But I can guarantee if, 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 and this is just an assumption, but if there was more states legal Medicare and Medicaid, the prices would go down. I mean, you wouldn't have to go to those doctors as much. You don't have to take those prescriptions as much, which is probably the main issue with pharmaceutical. Well, the pharmaceutical um, industry will fight will fight that. One of the things I'm not a big mm-hmm. fa- I'm not a big fan of psychiatry. I think psychiatry is quite literally a bullshit profession, and the reason I say that is right. because they have the diagnostic and statistical manual, which keeps every so often they keep coming up with these various diseases. And do you know how they determine these diseases to put in the diagnostic and statistical manual? They vote on them. That's not science. You don't vote on science. And it, right. is, it is absolutely crazy. Now, your PTSD, the origin of that is what? Just your the trouble you've had over um, over a number of years? Well, well yeah. Number Some of life years. experience. Um, yeah. yeah, I mean, it started when I was young. Um, being mentally, physically, and sexually abused started it, and then from there, just kind of like a repeat cycle. So it's not just one thing with me, it's multiple. So, um, I, you know, I do go into therapy and I do try new strategies when I'm feeling unbalanced. And it's going to happen. I'm not saying your PTSD just disappears. That's not how that works. But the night terrors go away, um, you know, for the most part. They go away. You don't, you're sleeping at night instead of, you know, sleepwalking out your door, you know, <laughs> and mm. things of that nature. So you don't need Ambien to go to sleep. You, know? <laughs> you don't have to drive somewhere in your sleep. You, you know, you just, there's there's ways. You just go to sleep. Um, when I initially was diagnosed, I had so many different types of SSRIs, um, the middle circle there, like Ambify, um, that eventually got me put on the effector, but even the antipsychotics, you know, and they just didn't know where to go with me. And then, like I said, after 10 years, he's like, there's no magic pill to take and help you, you know, that I just can give you what so far you've been okay on. And even he said it wasn't right not to feel, you know what I mean? But mm-hmm. it, it was at that time, the only knowledge that I had. So it's gotta be hard for vets. I actually know one right now that barely sleeps, barely sleeps. I mean, the man has done everything. (laughs) You know, he might sleep an hour and the slightest noise, he's up. He's not, you know, aggressive or anything, but he just doesn't sleep. Is he on cannabis? um, Well, he he does smoke, but because, you know, he's yet to see a doctor here and things of that nature, you know, he's still got to do his process and then maybe he'll get some oil and then he'll understand what I'm talking about, shutting the brain off at night. Um, but yeah, he does smoke and he tries his really hardest to get as much sleep as he can. But I've watched him. He'll pass out and he'll wake right back up. He might sleep an hour one night and not sleep for three days and he's not on anything. You know what I mean? He just can't sleep. He's talked about what he's seen over there and, you know, but he was a Marine. 
as we all know, they don't ask questions, they just do. Yeah, <laughs> so right. it, it's got to be a hard situation, you know, and not being able to sleep affects your moods, affects, you know, who you are. I feel sorry for people like that, and I try to express, you know, this is what we could do, you know, blah, 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 but you have to be legal. So it's best to, you know, wait for the laws to pan themselves out for doctors to start saying, hey, I'll help you and raise their hand because that's exactly what they got to do. Jennifer, with your breast cancer, your uterine cancer, your skin cancer, how would you currently describe your state of health? Um, I'm good, actually, considering, you know, I've been waiting for a lot of change here in Florida and everything and get it all situated. I'm I'm actually pretty good. Um, I've been good for a while, you know. Um, Tennessee taught me a lot. (laughs) Um, I've, I've been paying attention to all my health. I go to the doctor just for a checkup. Um, I don't have any medications. So, I mean, I'm doing good. Um, I still look good for 40, so, I, I you know, <laughs> I, can't, I cannot deny it. <laughs> are, are you are you cancer-free today? Yes. Yes. I mean, you still have to be five years, but yes. There's not anything activated on me at all, so that's great. Oh, that's fantastic. So they say you have to be five years, but if you're cancer-free and you keep, yeah. your, keep your maintenance dose of cannabis oil, then you're good to go. Exactly. I feel at least until they tell me elsewise. But yes, I feel pretty good about myself. Jennifer, that's good to hear. It was great to talk to you. You've got a very inspiring story that you've uh, conquered uh, breast cancer, uterine cancer, and skin cancer. And that's fantastic. Anything you want to say in conclusion? You know, don't be afraid to use your voices. You know, sitting quiet's never changed a law, never changed somebody's mind. You know, you can be loud and proud and just sit there and say, hey, I'm not going to back down. I'm never giving up. This is what I want. It should be my choice. Plain and simple. And I, and I don't think anybody can deny that. Yeah, well said. Good to talk to you. Thank you very much. Thank you for having me. You guys have a wonderful day. Thank you so much, Jennifer. Really appreciate this. No problem. Thank you. And there you have it, another edition of Cannabis Health Radio. Thanks for listening, everyone. You've been listening to the Cannabis Health Radio podcast. Visit our website, CannabisHealthRadio.com, and follow us on Facebook and Twitter. Thanks for listening to today's show. To check out more great cannabis podcasts, go to podconnects.com. Here's a preview of one of our other shows. I'm Josh Kincaid, Capital Markets Analyst and host of your cannabis business podcast, The Talking Hedge, and newest member on PodConX. So come on over and check out The Talking Hedge. We talk about business news, interviews, investments, events, all that stuff. So come nerd out with me over at The Talking Hedge. You can find me at the TalkingHedgePodcast.com or on all your favorite podcast platforms. Don't forget to like, share, and subscribe, or don't, and I'm out.